Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Anthony. You guys know Steve. He's over there in Pennsylvania right now. I am coming to you live from Florida, sunny Florida, uh, here with, with my good friend Ralph Till, who is one of the premier keepers of very rare tortoise that we're going to tell you guys about on this episode. And we also have with us uh, turtle expert Steve Rosen, who is uh, one of the smartest turtle minds that you've never met. So we're going to make sure that you <laughs> we're going to make sure that we remedy that that you've never met. I'm just kidding. I'm just, some of you have met him, and he's been on our show before. So um, he uh, he's here with us, and we're we're thrilled to have these two guys with us today. I'm thrilled to be in Florida. Um, what's go ahead? What's the weather? Your, how's the weather? It's been yeah. super windy. It's like I felt like I flew into Chicago. Three days of wind so bad it was just disrespecting me for three days and almost blew me off the hotel uh roof several times where the pool is nobody feels bad for me but uh yeah it's, it's been rough but uh, we have a really good show for you um uh we're going to talk about uh, egyptian tortoises we're going to talk about uh kind of thoughtful keeping and see where the conversation goes uh we we're, we're excited to have these two guys with us for that reason and um forgive me if i sweat but i'm repping I'm repping the uh, Central Mississippi Turtle Rescue. I don't want to get it wrong, so I just read it. But um, <laughs> not smart to wear. It's not smart to wear hoodies in Florida. I'm I'm finding out, and the sweat is starting to go down my back. But i I'm here for the cause of trying to help out our friends over there. So that's why I'm sweating. Now, Steve uh, Rosen is in Indiana, so that's why he's wearing a hoodie. Um, how's the weather in in Indiana right now? How do you think it is? I think it's horrible, and I think you hate your life. <laughs> Partially spot on. <laughs> not, not last night, but the night before, we were down to 14 here. And wow. we literally had 70s just a couple days before. Our weather here has been nuts over the last couple weeks with the roller coasters. We've been 15 degrees above average, then 10 degrees below average. And I think we're looking at 60 for Wednesday again. So. 60 degrees Celsius? That's amazing. <laughs> yes. We, yeah. We use Celsius. It makes more sense. Turtle people use Celsius. Uh, for incubation, it makes sense. For human uh, comfort, Fahrenheit is the most sensible uh, form of temperature. I will, I will also say another reason that Steve Rosen hates his life. I'm liking how we're starting off this, this podcast. Oh, boy. No, <laughs> make you all nervous and squirm in your chair for no reason. Um, we, <laughs> we, as in my buddy Ralph and I, were out today uh, checking out some some uh, Diamondback Terrapin. Careful. What's that? We didn't Careful. do anything. We didn't do anything bad. We weren't checking them out of their natural habitat and into our suitcases. We're, we're, clean. Clean. we're clean. We're clean. We're clean. Yeah. I'm cool. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm cool. <laughs> No, we had a lot of fun though. And, and did you see any? Yeah, none in the wild, but we saw, you know, we saw some projects that were going on. We got to see some some macrospelota. How do you pronounce Good it? Choice. Good choice. Yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Macrospelota? Macrospilota? I don't know. Tomatoes. I that's how Beavis would pronounce it. I just, you know, they're the ones in my basement. Macrospelota. But yeah, your yeah. Ralph is not a uh, <laughs> Ralph is not a, a, a Diamondback Terrapin guy, but you enjoyed yourself today. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's a great thing. 
we, we got to Glasgow Park. We got to meet some some cool people who are really passionate, like more passionate than we are about what we're passionate about, and that's saying something because we're yeah, got to be passionate about what you do. Yeah, so, so much so that you say it seven times in one sentence. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we want to also talk about where we are. We're in Ralph's tortoise room. It's kind of like a turtle and tortoise room now because you do have one turtle in here. One, yeah. one turtle. So that makes it a turtle. I get tossed into it. I don't. I sound like you talked yourself into it. <laughs> just, you guys pressured me, so I, we're, <laughs> terrible, terrible. We're turtle guys. Yeah, peer pressure. Peer pressure. That was it. It was all peer pressure. I wanted nothing to do with it, and uh, I was going to be shunned. So uh, you know, I, I had to bite the bullet and go for it. Oh, I'm sweating so bad now. He's making fun of me, and I'm wearing a Ralph, face. turn on the air for Anthony. <laughs> 35 degrees in this room right now. Hit the fan right there if you're oh, sweating that bad. I feel like Missy Elliott right now wearing, like, a trash bag suit. <laughs> oh. I can't stand the rain. You put the air on. Can you? Yeah, just turn the so air good. on. <laughs> so good. Can you hear that? Is that too loud? No. We're good? No, I don't hear it. All right. Good. Just want to make sure. Woo. Yeah, so, um, Steve, if you could show any pictures, Ralph builds all of his own enclosures here, and I'm saying Steve Enders, not Steve Rosen. It's going to get exciting using. But uh, Ralph builds his own enclosures. Just say Enders and Rosen, and we'll be good to go. All right, I'll do that. Last names. Last, got it. And, uh, Ralph, if you want to talk about kind of the process and what goes into it and sure. stuff like that. Sure. Um, he's working on it. He's working on it. He's work it's coming up. <laughs> Please hold. Buff buffer. Well, just you know, why we're waiting. This. I I decided some years ago with the Egyptians to keep them all separate, and I found that they were very susceptible to stress if kept in uh, even two females together. Uh, I, I saw signs of, of bullying and, and differences in their growth rates, so I keep them all separate, which. Meant I had to build a whole lot of different enclosures because I have a bunch of them, but it's it's worked out fine, and um, I have a kind of my own system where I, I have each unit. We ever see it here on 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 wheels and well now I'm now I'm confused. I'm thinking that maybe it is up, but we're just not seeing it yet. Is that right, Enders? Uh, yeah, it's up there. Okay, so oh, we're okay. just not seeing it. Normally right. you can see it. Oh, sorry about that. No, the software might have. I'm a, I'm a rookie here. So. Can you see it now? Get it together, Ralph. No, we just no, we just no. see the turtle room logo, which is lovely, and but always anyhow, a pleasant. What side. I was saying is that as a, they're, they're, it's a three tier system, three levels, and what I do from time to time is I can just move a few of the animals around and, and roll these units out into the garage and empty them out, hose them out, uh, disinfect them uh, if I need to do some modifications or updates. Uh, to them and then uh, roll them back into place and I'm good to go. It, it makes maintenance uh, very easy. Uh, they're, I feel, adequately sized per animal. Keep in mind uh, a fully mature Egyptian isn't but about five inches long so um, they don't require a, a great deal of room. Wow. Can you show the, um, the photo of the entire room? It's where I am now. Okay, you're on that now. I'm embarrassed. I'm, embarrassed. I'm, I'm, I'm really wondering why you're not seeing this, but, you know. So, I'm seeing it just fine. Well, that, yeah. yeah, that's that's good. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
So let me ask you the material that these cages are composed of. Is that? It's all Everything is built out of plywood and, and primarily uh, one by twos. Okay. My favorite tool was glue. I use, <laughs> honest to God, I mean, uh, the first one had about 50 pounds of glue and 300 pounds of sprues. Um, you know, and then the second one, I cut it down to 20 pounds of glue and 100 pounds of sprues. And, and, and each successive unit, I've come up with a system where uh, there's just a handful of screws and a, and a half a tube of glue. And, um, you know, they're quite rigid, uh, very functional, uh, relatively light, easy to move around. Yeah. The heaviest part of the whole unit is when I put the substrate in. I think what's really cool being here is like, when you see the enclosures, you can tell the thought and the time that went into like developing things over the years. Like these are not just something that he came in here and built one day or over the course of, you know, a set amount of time. Like, okay, I'm going to hook up my tortoise room. This is like cumulative, something that happened over time and developed where he got better and better at it. And now he's like amazing at making these things because every little piece of hardware is like the right piece. And I think, wow, I wouldn't even know where to go to get that at the home improvement store. But yeah, I bet they have that. That's a really good idea. I would have never thought of that. Or maybe it would have taken me five so years. So Steve, can you go back to the picture that has uh, like the main, there's a picture of the enclosures. I got several questions for, to pick someone's brain here as far as materials and there we go. Oh, we see it now. All right, there you go. Oh, I see hinges. Maybe, yes, no. Yep. Hinges? Yep. No. 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 Oh, not on those ones. No, not the I'm one looking. Look there's at, one. No. Look, there's one right in front of my face right now. That the computer. Okay. And that, oh. is, is that just plexiglass? Yeah. You can see that thin band about halfway up. Um, that's just a divider, and the bottom part of each unit is uh, just plexiglass. Okay. That's six inches. Um, again, the animals are five inches, so uh, and they're not climbers. So I've never, ever had an issue with them trying to climb out. I like what you have underneath your domes as a support. Is that is that made out of metal or it looks like there's some wires to hang them? That's, a, that's on a dropped ceiling. If you were going to a house with a dropped ceiling with a panel. Yeah, I know a dropped ceiling, yeah. There's a grid work. Well, around the perimeter, there's a real light gauge angle. That's what that's made out of. Okay. It's real thin, flimsy stuff, and I just bent it into a, a square, just big enough to accommodate that lamp. I put a few rivets in it just to keep it square, uh -huh. and secured it to the wall on one side, and on the outer edge, where it looks like there's no support, there's actually a little wire. It's made out of a coat hanger. Okay. High-tech wire coat hanger. How's that? Hey. And uh, just to hold it level, if it and works, it works. It works perfect, you know, and if it needs to be adjusted, I can just tweak it a little bit with a pair of pliers. So now, what kind of lamp are you using on the dome, and what kind of wattage, and what's the, the temperature underneath? Uh, well, seasonally, I change it. In the, in the summer, it's just a small 30-watt bulb. Okay. Uh, this time of the year, it's a 50-watt bulb, and it averages – about 95 degrees. Uh-huh. 
Uh, yeah. They like it much hotter than that. Yeah. Um, 95 seems to be a, yeah, sometimes 100 if it's warm in the room, but that's about it. Will they actually go right underneath and bask? First thing in the morning, they all come out of their little houses and sit under the light. Yep. Wow. They're so much like us. Everyone. I mean, literally, I have 15 of these animals, and everyone will come out and, and crawl under that light and sit there with his little legs stretched out. Pretty comical, actually. All around the same time every morning, too? Every morning. I mean. They're synchronized? Yeah, really. It's And well, I have a system the way the room is laid out. I can walk into the room. And within minutes, I can just gaze around a perimeter of the room. And if I see everybody out basking, I'm like, all right, things are off to a good start, you know? And that's, I think that's also what separates Ralph from a lot of uh, hobbyists or, or keepers or whatever you want to call them, because he spends uh, so much time in his tortoise room and is constantly watching every animal every day. And spending a lot more time than a lot of us do, including myself, for sure. It's probably a little too much time. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> yeah. think so. Yeah, so. So, Ralph, one more then. Uh, so the top part of this is open on all these enclosures where my cursor is. I don't know where your cursor is, but yes, the answer oh. is yes. <clears throat> yeah. How high is that plexiglass? Six inches, maybe. Okay. Yep. And it looks like you have... Maybe a, a brick or a concrete piece on uh, on top of the hides? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the adults, the larger animals, will will push them around. So it's, yep. it's just a rock. Just a yeah. place, that's all. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and those hides are nothing more than the bottom of paint buckets. Um, I bought a whole bunch of them at a dollar store and, and cut them in half and cut up. You know, and egress. You can tell who's been doing this for a long time because you always find people making very ingenious inventions, like just like that. You know, it, you could spend twenty to thirty dollars on a hide box, or you can oh, go. Absolutely. You know, I made them out of wood at one time, and I, 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 I tried all kinds of stuff, and and then yeah, then someday you just you kind of step stumble upon this and say wait a minute you know right and if it works which it does and actually if it gets real dry down here which it doesn't too often um if i can put a little dish of water on the on the top of them instead of that rock and it creates more of a humid hide okay so let me ask you at least a couple more questions i see a fluorescent light is that a t6 t8 I don't know what they're all up to now. Uh, they are T8s. Um, okay. All the fixtures that I have are are secured at a you know like a home goods store, a Lowe's or a Depot or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they uh, they now, all UV light or I'm sorry. Is it a UV light? Yeah, yeah. They're Reptisun 10.0 UVB. Okay. Have you uh, considered switching uh, to the high output 5.0s at some point? or Because, I, I mean, at some point, I imagine these T8s are going to be harder to find. Are you offering? Do you have some for free? Yeah. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I have one, all right? I, I spent the money, and I do have one, and it's awesome. It's a great piece. Um, as a matter of fact, the picture I'm looking at in the lower right 
corner. Uh, so that unit on the lower right hand corner, <laughs> that has one of those new 5.0 high output lights in it. And it's great, it's a great thing. Um, but the change, uh, 18 or so of them, you know, I'd. Right. For, you know, for people looking for T5 fixtures for cheap, uh, hydroponics, things like that are cheaper than the ones specifically made in the pet store for reptiles and fishes. So the one I've got in Bonsai's tank downstairs was, uh, I got the fixture for, I think, 10 bucks from a hydroponics website. And it came with a, it came with a plant bulb too. Well, wow, that's really cool. So, Ralph, do you use a, a UV meter, or do you just change out your lamps at a, a schedule? I, I have a schedule. Uh, okay. I do not have a UV meter. Uh, I just have a schedule that I, I kind of stick to, and and um, just bite the bullet and change them all. Right. It's not a fun bullet to bite, but not, hey. no, it hurts. But uh, it is it's part of it, you know. Absolutely. Anthony, what in the world are you doing? You I keep know, on UV bulbs here. They back up the truck, you know? I'm not going to type anymore. So we could send messages to each other back and forth. So I was asking Steve to show a photo to us. And obviously, because wow. I just got called out for looking weird and going up to the camera like this for no reason. So there is a beautiful, uh, very well-grown female Egyptian tortoise. And this is our species of the month. Uh, it was actually Ralph's idea a few months ago when, when he was giving us some feedback on the show um, as one of our you know trusted associates and, and colleagues. And he suggested the idea. So it's something that we want to do every month. And since we're here, you know, when in Rome, uh, not that Egyptian tortoises are from Rome, they're obviously from Egypt. I'm sure the Romans had it. Which least. is part of the Roman Empire at one point. Oh, well, there you go. When in, yeah. the Ro when in the Roman Empire is what I always say. They had everything else. Why not these, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, these are the, th this is the species that Ralph is, is really uh, known for and um, that is occupying most of these enclosures that we've been talking about. So, Absolutely gorgeous. That's a, that's a five-year-old uh, female. Um, this particular one weighs about 265 grams. Um, I'm hoping that she puts on enough of weight that maybe next year she'll be big enough to breed. If not, I'll just wait another couple of years. But uh, growing real nice. Yeah, I was going to say that's beautiful yeah. growth. Yeah, I put a lot of effort into not overfeeding them, I guess you could say. You know, I'm pretty, pretty uh, adamant about the husbandry. Now, you mentioned creating a humid hide. How important is that, do you think, for growth of these? Very important. Very important. I, um, I think a lot of people got, got caught up in the, the notion that these species originated in, in Egypt and in Israel and Libya, where it's Africa, it's hot, it's dry, it's desert. Yeah. And when, in fact, they're right on the coast on the Mediterranean coast and it's quite humid there at different parts of the day so I'm I'm convinced that most of the problems that breeders have had with these animals yeah there you go that's a turtle that's right 
Almost. Oh, so cute. That's awesome, man. That's a tortoise, okay? Which is a turtle. Enders, we will not. <laughs> that type of tomfoolery. That is a gorgeous animal. It's probably one of the, if not the best grown one that I've seen. I've seen a lot of lumpy ones, but that was also at the beginning of the new millennium. So I appreciate that, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a problem. And, and, um, you know, I've dealt with those situations that are right. animals. And, um, you know, I've struggled to try to make them as, in, 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 instead of having rapid growth and large growth, I've tried to take the approach of slow and steady. Yep. And, um, and so far, it's paying dividends. Most all of mine that I've raised up look like that. I think some species you can get away with pushing growth, but that's definitely not one of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Why did you know my nickname from high school? Lumpy animal. Because that really hurts when you, when you say that. Wow. It's an internet rumor. If it's on the internet, it's got to be true. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Takes care of that. It's got to be. That's, that was the source, by the way. <laughs> oh. Never should have let that photo get leaked. <laughs> <laughs> of me in the, in the Borat bikini. That was a bad move. Lime green. Shouldn't have done that. I'm making Ralph uncomfortable. Live and learn. <laughs> oh, so good. I was doing all right with the questions, but this has got me. <laughs> so, what, you're welcome. Did you line those your your pens, or are they painted, or they are all. Um, with, with plywood, you have a, generally a finished side and a rough side. So the finished side is on the inside. Correct. Okay. Um, I paint them with a like a primer, just a water-based enamel. Uh -huh. Dry. Uh, touch it up if I need to with a little sandpaper, and then I paint them with a it's a real high glossy enamel, kind of like you use for uh, I don't know bathroom railings or window sills. Uh, okay. And uh, I put it on pretty thick and then let it dry. And the key is just to, it's all in a prep work like anything else. Yeah. And I've had enclosure, and that's all I use. I don't put any plastic down or anything. Um, I've had some where, you know, after three or four years, I'll, I'll clean them out. And, and after you, you wash some of the stains off and whatever that are, that are uh, always going to be there, the paint comes up like brand new. And uh, so that tells me that it works, you know, as a, as a good water, I'm not going to say waterproof, but a water repellent. And, uh, Very resistant. And it's odor free, of course. You can't have any odor. Yeah, it smells really good in here. Like, not bad. Like, you would expect, how many, how many tortoises are in this room? Gosh, you've got to be 20 at 20 least something. in this room. Yeah, yeah and, and don't forget, he's keeping things separately. So it should smell, but it doesn't. If, it, if anything smells in here, it's probably me and, and my hoodie, my black hoodie that I'm wearing. And now as Ralph moves farther away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> scare me now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, let's, let's talk about your, your feeding regimen. What, 
what all do your Egyptians eat? Uh, rather bland, actually. Um, red, le no, red leaf lettuce, green leaf lettuce, kale, collard greens, curly endive, chicory, and generally I, I chop all that up into a big old toss salad, mix it all together, and I just give them a small, I call it a measured amount, it's just a small handful on a paper plate. And um, twice a week, no more, I give each of the adult females two nuggets of Missouri tortoise chow. Okay. And the males get one, because mm -hmm. they're half as big. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of times a week, I sprinkle a, a mix I have of hay. It's chopped up hay, and there's little Missouri chopped up in there. There's some uh, uh, what else I put in there? Vitamins, uh, Reptivite, like I'll put in there. Uh, some calcium I'll put in there, and just and it's chopped real fine. And, but primarily it's hay. And I just sprinkle it like a like a seasoning on top of this salad, and then wet it. Okay. And that's it. I mean, I don't I don't feed them anything else but that. Wow. Oh, you don't put any you don't put any croutons or cheese or dressing on their salad for them, Ralph. I heard they like pizza. No, that's that's it. Um, you know, on occasion, maybe uh, if I have a an old tomato laying around, I'll chop it up and give each one a little piece. Okay. Uh, or a piece of squash or something like that. But that's it. And I feed them five days a week. I mean, six days a week, I'm sorry. And then Sunday, I don't feed them. Hmm. Give them a day of rest. Give me a day of rest. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I've stuck with that. I know it's it sounds pretty basic and pretty simple and pretty bland, but... You know, in the wild, all they eat is just little bitty pieces of dried whatever they can reach. Right. And and people feed them all kinds of exotic stuff. But think about it, at least from my perspective, they're what four inches off the ground. They yeah. can't they can't reach up and pick an apple or a, or nope. a berry or anything. They they can't reach it. The only time they ever find any of that is when it falls on the ground, yep. and then it's typically rotted. So. So I have a question that's going to lead into another thing that I want to talk about. But you keep several tortoise species that are pretty small, and there are a lot of people who covet those species because they're small, because they're easy to keep as far as their size requirements and things like that. Keeping a spider tortoise is easier than keeping a sulcata because the sulcata will poop up over everything you own and dig through your foundation in your house and all that good stuff. You so anything you put in front yeah, of Yeah, right. So uh, I had a sulcata that used to try to eat cigarette butts in my broom all the time. Anyway, uh, so we tried to. I would always, you know, can't, you can't let your sulcata out in Providence, Rhode Island. It's not a good move. Uh, but anyway, that, that was decades ago. <laughs> so you keep smaller species, like I said, that are covered by people for that reason. But because of the fact that people want them, the price is kind of high. So there are a lot of people that will kind of save up their lunch money for a really long time so that they can afford a pancake tortoise, an Egyptian tortoise, a spider tortoise, and start to try to build a group. So in your opinion, with the species you keep, and I, I, I listed a few just now that you keep, 
also um, stars, uh, Indian stars, and uh, what were formerly, like officially, uh, Dalmatian Hermans. So of those five species, what do you think are the easiest to keep and to keep alive and to keep healthy? I mean, you keep everything alive, but you know what I'm saying. To what be you, able to thrive. Well, uh, hands down, the easiest are the Hermans. They, they're they're born. They uh, mine live outside, as you saw, 24/7. Now, granted, I'm in Florida; it doesn't get zero, but my understanding is they're pretty cold tolerant anyhow, uh, and, and with hibernate. But but my experience, they are by far the easiest. The most difficult to do it right would be the Egyptians. And, and the key word there is to do it right. And as you saw by that one specimen, um, trying to keep that nice, smooth growth. That's, I mean, you could feed them anything. They'll eat anything. They're like little kids. Um, but, but to manage the diet and manage the, you know, the temperatures and manage the humidity and manage all that for them, Mm -hmm. It's the hardest part, but on the, the easy scale, the Hermans. That's great. Yeah. So my lead-in, that question was a lead-in. So there, the four of us, uh, three of the four of us live in northerly climates. One obviously does not, and um, I think for the three of us, we keep smaller, more manageable species for the most part, because we, uh, because we like to, you know, keep it manageable. We don't have these big animals that are really difficult to keep. And there are exceptions to that rule for all of us, but for the most part, we try to stick to smaller species. So Ralph, why the heck, if you're living in Florida, don't you have a bunch of sulcatas walking around your yard? And why, you know, why for you, are you still trying to stick to the smaller, more manageable size species um, primarily? Uh, well, there's two answers to that. Um, first one being the manageable part. I'm, I'm very adamant about probably too much so about managing. I, 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 obviously, I put a lot of effort into this, as you can see. And, and it's easy to manage small ones that are in a confined or restricted area. It's easier for me to manage. Um, it's also easy, easier if, if I go away, if I travel, and I need somebody to come in here, be it my wife or a friend, to, to take care of things. If they're all right here, it's easy for them to come in here and take care of them. If I have larger animals outside, it never fails. The second you leave, it starts to rain, or, or, or heaven forbid, a raccoon or a cat or something gets into something outdoors. Um, it just creates more problems. So it's to me, it's more of a manageable thing. Mm -hmm. I answered my own question when I asked. Yeah, well, I, that was the buzzword. I heard yeah, that. I'm and, embarrassed. Uh, I, yeah. uh, I got to get it together. <laughs> but that's 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 my primary reason. First off, I like all the little guys, but, but to keep them inside in a more manageable, controllable environment. Mm -hmm. So, um, Rose, Rosen, is that, uh, is that a Guinness or a Coca-Cola Classic? 
That would be a Coca-Cola classic. Nice. I didn't even I didn't even ask if it was Pepsi because I know diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, I can't believe after you had so many toes amputated that you're still drinking that stuff. Well, you know, vices. That's a joke. That was a joke, everyone. He has all of his toes, all all twelve of them still there. You see the turtle glass? You mean turtle? I know. I was gonna say, is that a turtle on the glass? But it's pretty it stellar. We're yeah. It's, a, it's like a fashion statement. It's except it's an accessory. It has to match the outfit. Well, it's interesting to be talking tortoises because I'm very limited on experience. Uh, I've done some things with some hingebacks, um, mostly acclimate wild-caught specimens. Just because, I was say, how could you say that you're limited in experience when you've tube-fed tortoises before? Well, it's also tube-fed gopher tortoises, but we're not going to go there. Maybe we'll have to get her on the show some other later date. Um, I would love to get into tortoises more, but I don't know. what. How do you feel about feeding them cactus, like the spineless variety you have down there? Uh, they don't eat it. What's, how's that? Uh, okay, the Egyptians, fair. The Egyptians don't eat it. I mean, now, again, if, if you start them out on Cheerios, that's all they're going to Right. is Cheerios. Right. right. And and so I, I never did that. And I've gone, I've cut up cactus in the little tiny pieces and put it in there. And maybe maybe it'll pick at it a bit. Now if you're talking a star tortoise, you throw a cactus pad in there, it'll devour the thing in a heartbeat. They love it. But, uh, but the Egyptians very, very little. I've always had a thing for star tortoises, uh, but when I did, I think they were still coming in from somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that's one species that they're just kind of very delicate when they're brought in as wild caught. They're still off. And I, yeah, I've seen a lot of people lose them. Yeah, yeah I know. I know many who have lost many. Uh, yeah. The, 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 and the other thing I'd be concerned about having them here is unpredictable weather well again with the stars i'm i'm no expert on stars but i do have a very nice pair of them and uh very nice they uh i i just automatically assume that in december january and february are our our unpredictable months here mm -hmm. and it can be 85 one day and 55 and rainy the next and that 55 rainy day will be their demise. Uh, it'll catch you every time. They'll get the runny nose syndrome, and, and if you don't catch it, then you'll lose them. So if you prepare for that, you know, yep. you put ahead. I have an indoor box for them. Um, sitting right next to me. Yeah, sitting right there, and uh, if I know it's going to be cold and damp, I bring them in, and, um, you know, when it warms up again, I'll put them out. I have no issues at all. You want to talk about smooth tortoises? Oh my gosh. I wish I took a picture of them earlier so we could show show them. They are amazing. Now mine are pure captive bred, you know, USA captive bred, not mm -hmm. farm raised. 
Matt, the Czechoslovakian whitewashed legal imports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no scratches or tattoos. I, I can see that. I'm Czech. <laughs> Czechoslovakian? Is that where they come through? I think that's one of the renowned countries to whitewash them with CIDES and all that. Hmm. Czech Republic. Too bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's real common as of late. There was a, at the TTPT, there was a real interesting presentation. Quote unquote, importation of star tortoises. And uh, quite interesting how they're supposedly farm raised. Yeah, right. Right. Because that, that's a sustainable uh, business venture. Right. It's yeah. almost as good as these uh, captive bred one-year-old Spengari that are four inches, five inches. Yeah. yeah. And keep coming in. Yeah. I'm so angry right now. I can't. I'm so mad that you brought it up. Huh? It's your fault. I'm mad at you. Anyway. It's all right. Everybody needs a cause. It's going to be yours. Anthony. Yeah, right. What am I going to do? Blow the whistle? What, eight? And you weigh over 300 pounds. Tell me what you're not going to do. That's right. Sorry. I get excited. <laughs> yeah, it's the internet. Everyone and everyone's spread out all over the place. I wish there was one place where they were coming in so I could go and stand there. No. Well, you know, at the beginning of the millennium, I know they were coming in through Canada on the west coast uh, by Washington. And the guy that I got some from, granted, they were $50 turtles. Yeah. All day long. I think he was younger. His well, I'm not going to say his name because we are on the internet, and, you know. But uh, they were sent to me in a strawberry box, like not your normal strawberry box, but you know, a, a strawberry box, something you get strawberries in bulk, and they had all subdividers in them. I was just kept wondering, you know, is that how they made it across the border? Right. And granted, that was you know wild times still where stuff was coming in and I guess a lot of people did question it's you know legality but I mean it's here yeah and that's when things were just coming in everybody knew that it was gonna it was, wasn't sustainable so a lot of people tried to get what they could get acclimated and a lot of it didn't make it a lot Matter of fact, I've got all the Spengra you want, Anthony, in my basement. They're not. They're in the freezer. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, you know, if you want to update your book sometime. Yeah. Second edition. Well, that, that's not an uncommon story. Uh, the uh, the Egyptian or Klamenai had the same fate, if you will, back in the early 90s when they were importing them in two or 300 at a time. And right. from the time that they came off the, the book of the plane until they were finally distributed, they had on average about a 90% uh, failure rate, if you will. 90%. Uh, do you remember any specific uh, health problems that they were coming in with? Or was it a combination of minor things and stress or... Just dehydration? Primarily the husbandry, uh, you know, dehydration, stress, the males especially. 
the males are they're super active and I mean they stress themselves out on a just on a normal day and um, uh, I think just that was mostly what was being lost for males sounds familiar doesn't it Anthony losing the males more than the females yeah it, there's also another piece to this too and that if you look at the average length well let's ask the expert what's the average length in inches of a male Egyptian tortoise uh, three and a half maybe four inches maximum and the average length of a male Spangler eye is maybe three and three quarters but probably less than four probably um, but the females are just over four usually and the female Egyptians are over four so for inch law when you know Ralph was talking about those those shipments that came in with 300 climate eye at the same time or Egyptian tortoises right you you know you could bet that if they were actually cleared legal shipments that there were not a lot of males coming in because they were cheap animals they were throwaway pets they were yeah tortoises that'll stay small yep well and well, remember, I mean, when they, they packaged some of that stuff in the back in the day, the day, yeah. uh, if it's a smaller animal, there's a good chance it's going to be on the bottom of the pile. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you talk about throwaway pets. Actually, the, the lowest price I've seen for Spangler Eye, and now, you know, getting into something that Ralph is as obsessed with Egyptians as I am with Spangler Eye. But, um, the lowest price I, I've seen in my research was $11.50 per animal. Well, see how the, that price is actually, it's in my book on the price list that was uh, provided by uh, Jim Barchick, however you pronounce it. Yep. Yeah, so, which is awesome, you know, to see the history. It's sad, but it's... So yep. you, you know, there's a lot of guys that still have, you know, those old yeah. price lists. Yeah. From places. I remember seeing some in the late eighties when I was a kid from Glades. Um, and just some of the, the whole combination, you know, just as a kid, you're blown away. Like this is really, yeah, absolutely. And I'll use this, oh, this moment. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Rosie, I kind of cut you off a little bit. That's what my wife and I call you. Okay. We call him Rosie. I think that's the best. I wish my nickname was Rosie. Well, there goes Big Rosie. Watch out. Uh, it's cool because it's like an oxymoron. Because you have like a, you know, you have like an old lady's name, but you're like a big man. You do some damage. I like it. Anyway. Uh, my old aunt Rosie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not Aunt Rosie. It's, it's Big Rosie. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Anthony. Shift again. Are you moving away from me again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, too rosy. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. I cut you off to say it, and then we got joking around, and I forgot. Great. It's going to come back in like four seconds. Just kidding. More than that. <laughs> oh. We were great. talking about priceless, and then you get oh. a dawning moment. Yes. Thank you. That's what it was. So. Um, we uh, conducted an interview the other day with, uh, to, you know, to, to kind of talk about those days when things were kind of, when things in the reptile hobby were kind of like the Wild West and um, a lot of very 
interesting and like groundbreaking and uh, let's just say interesting things were happening. Um, we had an interview the other day with Tom Crutchfield, which was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And the story of how the interview happened was something that I want to mention today. We were on, I, I was on a, a, a classified page and someone was selling, uh, a, a wonderful young lady named Stacy was selling some uh, herb supplies. And it's in uh, this town in Connecticut that's where I work. I'm there every single day. And then I scroll down and there's pictures of the stuff. And then there's a picture of Tom Crutchfield holding the item. And I'm like, haha, that's really funny. Like, why did you choose a picture of Tom Crutchfield that you stole from the internet to sell your thing that you're selling? And she's like, that's not what I said. I said, why, why is the picture of Tom holding it? But in my mind, that's what I was thinking. Like, why would you take a picture of this, you know, this famous reptile guy holding that? So I asked her, she's like, uh, I used the picture of him because he was holding it when I took a picture of it. Like, is Tom Crutchfield in Connecticut right now? And she responded, yes. So then our video guy contacted me and was like, you totally need to set up an interview with him. And I was like, no, you can set up an interview with him. I'm, sc I'm so scared right now. I don't want to do that. I, you're the video guy. And then I fell asleep and just figured it would never happen because we were both being... Uh, you wake up and it was a dream. Yeah, yeah. We were both being like scared, scaredy pants about it. It actually was like it was a dream. Like that's something that would happen in my dream. And I'm not, <laughs> it might make sense to me then. And I wake up and be like, why would Tom Crutchfield ever be here? But anyway, we went and did the interview. Uh, well, I woke up the next morning, I should say, and I had a text from our video guy, Kevin Minto, who is uh, wonderful and fights for every interview and every video, and we absolutely love it and appreciate it. But I had a text from him saying, Crutchfield's a go. We're going to today at 5.30. Wow. So I had to figure out my whole work schedule. I had a basketball game that night. It was a huge mess. But we went and had the interview, and he and his family and Stacy and her family who were there were absolutely amazing. I had like a tear in my eye. My wife had tears in her eyes. It was like so moving and amazing to see someone who for some is like this polarizing or infamous figure to be so eloquent and down to earth and kind and just a cool guy and just, the things that he yeah. said made a lot of sense, and it was amazing to be able to to um, to do it for. And it was it was really interesting. So and there's your plug, folks. Uh, keep your eyes on our YouTube channel for that. Uh, no timeline yet, but our video guy's working on that, and we're uh, you know figuring out how we're gonna um, release that. But definitely a, a big thing that we'll have uh, coming out. Yeah. Totally. Exciting. Should be. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's huge. So, so, to go back to a uh, prior conversation, you mentioned hay. What kind of hay were you talking about? Timothy? <laughs> Timothy hay. Okay. Yeah. I try to get the greenest stuff I can find. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't work because you just have to buy a big bale of it. Mm -hmm. A bale of hay would last me like 25 years. <laughs> Beyond stale. <laughs> so I just get a little bag of hay and grind it up in some little food chopper thing that my wife has. Actually, I'm on the third one. I already burned up two of them. 
Brian didn't pay for 30 minutes. You gotta find the ones with the warranty and just don't tell them. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I'm it's her I'm worried about. <laughs> There's gotta be some new health kick. Like you can make like a kale, yeah, a smoothie. Kale, kale and Timothy hay smoothie. Yeah, yeah like yeah. with some with some mango in it. Yeah. <laughs> I I would tell it. Yeah, sounds terrific. Right there. See? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's. Oh, he's showing me inside his pancake tortoise enclosure right now. Oh, now that's the species that I would keep. That you would keep? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. they're 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 so cool. I'm really mad that I never that I never got a pancake tortoise. Here, they are awesome climbers. Like they would be out of Ralph. Like Ralph, they, you don't have them part open, do you? Sorry. Uh, no. Hold on here. No, he doesn't. I was gonna say the, the pancake enclosure. They climb like they'd be out of those Egyptian closures like that because of how quick they uh, they climb up a six inch wall. He's trying to pull one out right now, but he has like rock ledges where they can go in. Right. And it's interesting. You know how you read that they they have like um, a kind of a pliable. Uh, oh, they do. So that they can puff up yeah. with air and stuck in. Ralph thinks it's a lot more with the feet. We were talking about it today that they kind of hook in with their feet. Yeah. Yeah. As more than than actually like puffing up, but you just another know. You just source. know I'm gonna get. Do so you think they just raise up on their legs and block in? Yeah. Can you see that? No, Are you up a little bit higher, Ralph. Up a little bit, maybe six inches higher. You can put it in closer too. There you go. Oh wow. Uh, flapjacks, anyone? Yeah, this is a young male. Looking good, man. Can I you raise him yourself. Uh, actually, um, I got two of them as youngsters from, uh, one of my fellow club members down here. Oh, and you need to put, and then, club uh, too. That's and right. then, um, this is a young male, by the way, he's only about a year and a half old. They grow fast. Oh. And, um, and I have a female from a, another source that, uh, guy sent me. They're all about the same size. They're all about a year and a half old. So it's a 2.1 group. I prefer mine with chocolate chips. He's mad now because he was hiding and I just dug him out. And <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't like bomb me. You know. So That's pancakes. How long do you think it would take if they're kept optimum to get to sexual maturity? Um, I have heard three years. Okay. Um, I can't answer that for certain, but. Uh, but I've been told by several other people that have them at, uh, at three years. I've heard of younger, but I don't quite believe that. And that's compared to what on the Egyptians? On the Egyptians, you're looking at probably a minimum of about six. Okay. Yeah. It all depends on size. Once yeah. again, uh, the the pancakes eat the exact same diet as the um, Egyptians here, anyhow, with the exception of I throw in a handful of leaves, dried leaves. They like dried leaves. Hmm. Yeah. <coughs> little, I don't know what kind of leaves they're, little bitty things, but I lay on the road, I scoop them up, throw them in there, and I eat them. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Have you ever tried that with your spider tortoises? No. Yeah. Because research 
shows that they eat dried leaves as well, especially in like fall. Uh, no, I never have. I, I'm afraid to mess with them. You know, throw something in there that'll upset them. They yeah. eat a whole different diet, as you well know. Right. You know, it's a whole different process with them. I like spider tortoises. I thought you'd say they were the easiest ones. The easiest? Yeah. This time of the year, they're easy because you never see them. They can be scary because <laughs> they, hide. they hide for six months, and you're like, oh, my gosh, is my tortoise dying? But after you've gone through it a couple years, it's like this is really the easiest. I mean, this time of the year, on Saturday, I dig them up, literally, and soak them for yeah. 20 minutes, give them a plate of food, they eat some, and then they burrow down until next Saturday. Right, once a week. And I, I do mean, the same thing once a week, so it's like the easiest. They sometimes don't even eat, and sometimes I can't find one because they're dug in so deep. Yeah. So that part they don't is, even eat once but, a week. But it's nerve-wracking. I'm, you know, I'm God, I haven't seen it in a week. Did it dry up? Did it, yeah. you know, I'm, but now... Is that what I'm smelling, or do I need to take a shower? That sort of thing. That's what I usually think. I'm, I'm not going to lie. The distance between you two and has it's grown throughout the podcast here. He's well, worrying me, you know. The gulf divides us. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a West Coast Florida joke. Yep, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, that was good, right? Yeah, not bad. You're Mexico for a rookie. You're Mexico. I'm Tampa. I'm Ralph. A little plug, just so everyone knows, right now, the Turtle Room and TSA collaboration 2017 calendars, which are absolutely stunning, are half price right now on our website. So go ahead and be part of the cool club, like Ralph. Pay full price, by the way. And Ender's <laughs> and, Enders and Rosie and myself will have those hanging on their, their walls. We, we've got um, the last couple years, uh, we lowered the price on them even farther. Um, so if you're just interested in having some great turtle and tortoise pictures, you can pick up, let's see, the 2015, 2016, and 2017 calendars for a total of about 15 bucks plus shipping. So that would give you lots of cool turtle art to hang on your walls. What did Rosie say? I couldn't read it. I think it showed up in reverse, at least on my screen. It probably did yours as well. Yes. Buy them. Buy them now. Buy them. Buy them now. Now, it only shows up reverse on your own screen. We see it normally. Get it together. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, sorry, Anthony. I'm not on vacation right now. Or wait, a work trip. I'm not on. I've been working my buns off. <laughs> so tired. Hoodie is making me sweat. I got the air conditioner. <laughs> I'm a large man, Ralph. I'm a large man. Right here, I'll turn it down. I've been eating Thai food and chili for days. Ooh, pain. In You're not staying at his house tonight, are you? I hope he makes you stay in the yard. He offered, but I think he's going to take it back after this. Right after we go, right after we say goodbye to, on the show, he's just going to be like, you know, that offer I gave you earlier. I'm rescinding. That's off yeah. the table. Yeah. yeah. I think we should. Uh, I'd rather fight the traffic. <laughs> he's also my chauffeur on this trip. Just to tell everyone. 
So not only did I make him come on our show, I also made him drive me around Greater Tampa. Worked <laughs> <laughs> in spring for a rental. We're going to a Yankee game together tomorrow, and he's going to carry my hot dogs and popcorn. Oh, excellent, excellent. When do you come home, Anthony? I'm here until Wednesday. So on Wednesday, we're going to visit uh, a friend and another fellow uh, member of the Clearwater chapter of the Florida Turtle and Tortoise Club, which uh, of which Ralph is the treasurer. Treasurer. Okay. Best treasurer an organization has ever had because he's got lots of money. That makes him good at being treasurer. That was a joke. <laughs> I don't think you have a little bit. So yeah, the, the, um, their group, we have spoke about their group before. Um, I did a talk for them in 2015. It was a great experience. A lot of, uh, I've been close with a lot of those guys since, and um, they're a great organization. So if you're in the Florida area, or even if you're outside of the Florida area, it's not a bad idea to connect with them. They have a newsletter that goes out every month. They always send it to me. It's got great information in it. They work really hard, and um, they're a great community that I wish we had in my home state of Connecticut. You don't know. So you don't know how lucky you are. Thanks for the, the good word. Yeah, I thought about that too when, when Steve said that the Crutchfield interview was going to be like so important, and Ralph was like, yeah, it sounds sounds really important. I was going to say, like, don't patronize me. You live in Florida. Like, everything <laughs> cool – that's turtle-related. It's happening in your backyard. So th this is the funniest thing. We're driving around today, right? So first we went to see the Diamondback Terrapins with Jack Berlin. It was amazing. And he's working on all these amazing projects. And these guys are working like 10, 10, like 10 minutes away from each other but don't know each other yet. It's not your fault. We're working on it, right? It's not your fault. But the point is there's nobody working on cool turtle stuff 10, 10 minutes away from me. I just want you to know that. So as we're driving from that and to his house, which is like 10 minutes away, I just glance over at him quickly as he's driving and I say, hey, is there a reptile store around here? He said, yeah. I said, okay, can we go to it? He's like, yeah. Two minutes later, we arrive at a reptile store. <laughs> like this awesome reptile. There's two reptile stores in Connecticut. In the entire state, there's two. And they're both worse than the place that just happened to be two minutes away from when I had a light bulb moment in his passenger seat. It's like... <laughs> You guys don't know how good you have it down in the south. Yeah. It still is the wild, wild west down here as far as I'm concerned. I mean, yeah. we have, uh, there's a problem now with monitors on the loose. Yeah. There's problems with sakatas on the loose. Yeah. Tegus, iguanas, Tegus obviously Burmese, Burmese pythons. Well, they're way down. They're not a problem up here, but. Monitors and so the, you're talking about what's a problem actually right here yeah, just, in the Tampa area, yeah, not just in yeah, Florida, yeah. right? Yeah, swamp. Now, I'm assuming that down there they don't, I mean, uh, you can't shoot them on site obviously because you can't discharge firearms in a residential area. But I mean, does anybody does Florida offer any kind of incentive on people getting rid of them? I mean. No. The only thing they do is the, which is just televised more for publicity than anything, is the annual python roundup, but uh, down in the glades. But as far as uh, anything to keep the the tegus or the monitors or any like that in check, yeah. I would think the monitors and tegus would pose a little bit more problem than what's going on with the Burmese pythons, but maybe not. 
just to the fact that they're, I mean, they're Varanids. They've known egg raiders of everything. Uh, you know, I don't think the problem has, the Tegus themselves are not that big. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about it, um, compared to the monitors, the monitors have a reputation of being pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, they'll chase after cats and things like that. Um, I'm sure that one day in the near future, I mean, I hope it doesn't happen, but when a monitor bites a kid on the leg or something, right. then then it'll be, all of a sudden, it'll be a problem, you know, that somebody will address. And they'll do that by outlawing all injurious wildlife, like Egyptian tortoises. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that you killer, can't keep them anymore. Killer and owls. Because uh, a monitor... Get a kid. Yeah. No more reptiles. Yeah. Yep. I'm just saying. I'm uh, I'm an optimist. I've been referred That's... to as a hopeless optimist. And you're a terrible liar too. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's got two thumbs and just lied to everyone? This guy. <laughs> well, I think that just about does it for tonight. Um, let's see. Anyone has any uh, final thoughts? Oh, Enders, you didn't say much tonight. That's because I had you guys to do that while I was just, you know, playing picture jockey. Is that like a Facebook game? <laughs> no, I mean, I was putting up pictures for you. I know. As opposed <laughs> to disc jockey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate the time. It's been a, it's been a thrill for me. Thank you. Glad to have you, Ralph. It took us too long to have you on here. We're happy we had you on here. It was awesome to have Steve, Rosie, Rosen, on with us again. I, and I appreciate the questions. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I love it. You learn. Uh, you bounce ideas off of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I love that part of it. So thank you. I want, you guys, I want you guys all to know how much I love you and how much I cherish these moments. Ralph is so upset that I said that. I really do. <laughs> all right, for another um really fun and uh mushy episode of the podcast i'm anthony with ralph live from tampa and that's steve squared even steve up north uh hoping you have a great night and thanking you for watching another episode of the podcast thank you guys not a problem uh,